morning and welcome to Midpoint, your midweek, mid-morning source for news and public affairs from a local perspective. I'm Shelley Reback here with Jessica Green running the soundboard and Barbara Fling who will be answering your calls. It's May the 4th today, and there's no better day for everyone to join the resistance. I know WMNF listeners are always up on the latest news, and I know everyone wants to discuss the leaked sneak peek we've had at the U.S. Supreme Court's plan to reverse Roe v. Wade and to give states the chance to make abortion completely illegal. Odds are that any day now, based on this leaked draft court opinion, Texas and Florida will be racing to see who can be first to ban abortion completely and who can impose the most serious criminal penalties against women who seek abortions and the doctors who provide them. In fact, Texas and Florida may also be racing to see just how far they can push the court's new legal analysis to also ban gay marriage, to criminalize homosexual activity, and to make your birth control methods illegal, and possibly even to ban interracial marriage. All of these so-called rights, or what we thought were our rights under the Constitution, are based upon the same legal framework as the Roe v. Wade decision. So that means that they are all potentially subject to the same legal analysis and are all potentially just as vulnerable to being reversed by this radically right-wing Supreme Court majority. And let's speculate on who may have released this draft opinion and why did they do it now? For the first time ever in the court's history, a draft opinion was leaked before it was issued by the court. Who would do such a thing? It's now the subject of an investigation at the court. Many people believe it must have come from some left-wing law clerk in one of the more liberal court justices' chambers. Maybe, but I think it is just as likely it was released now by some radical conservative law clerk or even by a radical conservative justice like Thomas, maybe following the orders of his radical insurrectionist wife, Ginny, or by any Republican law clerk at the behest of the GOP for that matter. Why do I think a Republican leaked it? Because Republicans may benefit by the opinion coming out now rather than at the close of the court's term in June when we are so much closer to the midterm election. By releasing it now, the Republicans can hope that the energizing effect on the Democratic base by this opinion will be dissipated by the time of the election. All the people you will see who are enraged and inspired to march and sign wave and register voters and who are ready to show up at the polls and get out the vote may have moved on from the loss of Roe versus Wade by the time the election rolls around. If they had waited until closer to the election to release the opinion, it could hurt them at the polls. So all of that is extremely important to talk about, and I promise we will talk about it all. But I ask you, WMNF family, can it please wait until midpoint next week when abortion rights will be the focus of our show? because I have another great topic for us planned for this week. Today, our show is going to focus on the property insurance crisis in Florida. We are about to head into another Florida legislative special session because our Republican leadership totally failed to do anything about property insurance in the regular session. But the outcry from Florida property owners was so strong when the legislative session ended without any relief that DeSantis was forced to recall the legislature to act on property insurance. 
The special session will begin May 23rd and run at least until May 27th. So here we are. Something must be done. For the last two years, the private homeowners insurance companies operating in Florida have had a combined negative net income of about $1 billion. $1 billion. So the property insurance market is fundamentally shutting down in Florida. Companies are pulling out of Florida altogether. And Citizens, the state-run insurance company of last resort, is oversubscribed and basically broke. Many companies won't even insure homes that are built before the year 2010, which leaves out many, if not most, Florida homes. My own home is over 100 years old. Many companies won't even insure a home if the roof is over 10 years old, never mind that you paid for a roof that was guaranteed for 20 years. Many insurance companies have become insolvent and are canceling policies, my own Tampa-based company included, as I learned just this week from an article in Creative Loafing. Shout out to Creative Loafing, which continues to do great local reporting. If you own a home, if you are purchasing a home, there's no shopping around for the best coverage and the best price policy anymore. With all of the policy non-renewals, a property owner in Florida is lucky to find any coverage at all, at any price. And these inflated prices are being passed on to people with mortgage obligations to their lender to maintain insurance coverage. They're being passed on to renters. And all of this is contributing to an increase in foreclosures and the bloated rents and is all part of why we now also have a housing crisis in Florida. So, what is a poor homeowner to do? Luckily, we have someone here to help us understand. My guest today is Sean Shaw, an attorney, former candidate for Florida Attorney General, and most relevant to our discussion, the former Florida insurance consumer advocate. So welcome to WMNF, Sean. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Feels like home. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you because we are in desperate straits here in the Florida insurance market. But before we get to that, those specifics, tell us about your role as Florida insurance consumer advocate. What is that position? What, what, what was it all about? Yeah. Um, if you'd have told me that I would be an insurance expert when I was coming up, I'd have told you life didn't work out as it was supposed to. But here we are. And... Uh, and so in 2008, Alex Sink at the time was the chief financial officer of the state of Florida. And, and she asked me if I'd be willing to serve as insurance consumer advocate of the state of Florida, which I didn't know nothing about insurance. And I didn't know what the job was, but it turned out to be the best job I've ever had, including to date. It is, it is the job where you stick up for the insurance consumers of this state, whether it's property insurance, health insurance, um, workers' comp insurance. It is in statute. Uh, and you report directly to the chief financial officer, uh, you testify at rate hearings, you testify um, to the legislature, you opine on legislation, you travel around the state and let people know what's fair and what's not. Every day, that job was dedicated to protecting consumers, not companies, not the market, not other people, just strictly consumers. That was the job, and it was a great job, and it's kind of shaped my political career going forward ever since. 
Do we have somebody in that position today? I believe you do. I mean, it's statutory. Someone's serving. But I, I always tell people that person is as active as the chief financial officer wants them to be. Uh-huh. And luckily, I served under someone who wanted me to be active and gave me the freedom to do whatever I thought needed to be done to protect consumers. And she was a great supporter. Well, the fact that someone like me and someone like you who are really up on politics and the news can't name the person in that position right now should tell us something about about how, just how much Jimmy Patronus, the current chief financial officer, uh, wants to protect uh, insurance consumers. So uh, help us understand, why did this property insurance crisis take hold and strangle Florida the way it has? And that's a, that's a very good question. You know, not only was I insurance consumer advocate, I was a lawyer that represented consumers against in property insurance companies at one time, and I also served in the legislature for a period of time on these co- on these relevant committees, and I have been lobbying the legislature even before for a long time. So I've watched this since 2008 to now, and I will. What I will tell you is, there's always a crisis, uh, but the crisis is never solved because the crisis really is what companies are charging. And so what the legislature loves to do is say, look, uh, property insurance rates are so high and they're high because of reason X. And if we solve reason X, then maybe the insurance companies will bring the prices down. The problem is they never do. We've solved reason X. Reason X at one time was fraud. Reason X one time was assignment of benefits. It was sinkholes. It was lawyers. It's public. It's always something. But the legislature... You can't even sue about a sinkhole anymore, hardly. Do you remember it was the sinkhole crisis was driving up rates? They fixed that. Why are rates still high? Uh, It was assignment of benefits at one time. We fixed that. Why are rates still high? Because there's no one in Tallahassee that's willing to tell the companies, you charge too much, and that might be where we need to attack, rather than to do things to make it harder to sue, do things to make it harder for um, people to bring a claim, that's not a solution. We've done that for 20 years. The rates never come down. Well, uh, that's interesting. But why did the property insurance crisis take hold in Florida right now to the extent that, that so many companies are just pulling out of the market altogether? You would think that if nobody was stopping them from increasing rates, that they would just increase rates and stay. I mean, you, they have kind of a captive market here of people who are required to purchase insurance if they have a mortgage on their home, for example. The market in Florida is uh, very difficult. I mean, we have everything bad here in terms of weather almost. Hail, hurricanes, floods, and all those sorts of things. And But we haven't had a hurricane in a long time, or at least one that was big enough to put someone uh, in, on, in insolvency by itself. I mean, I would just argue that... Um, the regulators haven't done a good job of regulating the market. Regulating the market requires you to pay attention to what claims are being made, how much how much capital a company has. It requires you to look at a board of a company and make sure all these things are what a regulator does. And I would make the argument to you that we haven't had a regulator at, a, at the wheel, i.e. Jimmy Petronas, with an eye on this market in a way that is... Good, I'll say. I don't want to oversimplify it, but if I was the insurance regulator and there has to be a special session on what I regulate, I would consider myself a failure. <laughs> and, and he should be considered a failure. But 
I will tell you, this these spikes happen every you know, five to seven years, we have a spike and sometimes it'll be workers' comp insurance. Sometimes it'll be health insurance. Sometimes it'll be property insurance and we'll have the spike and, and people will clamor and say, I'm paying too much. And Tallahassee will say, well, we'll fix that. And the fix is kind of what I said. It's always something that ain't good for the consumer, but it's never a fix on what the actual problem is, which is rates and premiums are too high. Well, let's uh, let's think about whether or not there can be any help from other sources like the federal government, for example. I recently read that uh, Charlie Crist, who is currently a congressman uh, in the U.S. Congress but is running for governor again, Charlie Crist says that Florida requires insurance companies to buy too much reinsurance, which, of course, is the insurance for insurance, um, it, enough to cover a, a storm that happens once every 130 years by some statistical analysis, apparently. Um, and Charlie says that that excess reinsurance cost is being passed on to consumers, and that's one reason that premiums are high. So Charlie wants to file a federal bill to reduce the amount, that com- the, the amount of reinsurance that companies have to buy. And he says that would reduce premiums by maybe 10%. If a huge storm does come, then, uh, and we've required them to only purchase lesser amount of reinsurance. He says the federal government could give Florida a loan to cover claims at a very favorable interest rate. What do you think about that? I think that's probably right. Uh, I I saw that policy and I actually uh, talked with them a little bit about it. And I, I think that's right. But again, you have to make sure that the savings that the company enjoys by purchasing less reinsurance gets passed on to the consumer. Yeah, how do you do that? Well, how do you because make you, sure? have, you have to put it in the law. You have to put it in the statute that, or, or somehow in the regulation that this this savings has to go. There, there's ways to do it. Um, but I would also say if the 130-year storm hits Florida at the right place, none of this matters anyway. You know, I should have I should back up for a second and let's talk about reinsurance. We hear a lot about how it's reinsurance that is the problem, that reinsurance is too expensive. Um, let's talk about what is reinsurance. A lot of people don't know what it is or how it I mean, influences the market. And what is it? You why is it a problem? It's, it's insurance for insurance. But what it does is it spreads the risk out internationally right so it's balancing hurricanes in florida with tsunamis in south asia with earthquakes in california and it kind of spreads the risk around so that uh the hurricane isn't going to break the company because they bought reinsurance that now if a if a company has tsunami risk and earthquake risk and hurricane risk and tornado risk and all those things happen in one year they probably got a, that's they a got problem. A problem. They, they don't need to go to Vegas. They had a bad. They had bad luck. But the the reinsurance is expensive. But it's meant to keep you in business if the big thing happens because um, you've bought essentially insurance for insurance. But what I would say is that's gobbledygook. Oh. That is another red herring. Uh, okay, add that to the list of things that are the reason insurance companies are having a tough time. According to them, it's reinsurance. It's fraud. It's um, public adjusters, it's lawyers, it's always something other than uh, some of them are making record profits. One. Two, companies, their corporate structure can be set up in a way that even if the company goes broke, no one's 
losing money, but the taxpayers of the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the corporate structure can be set up in a way that the original investors are going to get their money back, plus some. Uh, that if the way if it's capitalized like you can under the existing rules, uh, we a lot of us have always had a problem with how an insurance company can be set up, that it can essentially go bankrupt and. The investors will make their money, but the people who have who have actual claims with the company are then going to be reimbursed by the people of the state of Florida. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've thought about for the last I don't know ten years or so. Ever since there's been this big push to take consumers out of citizens, which is of course the state-run insurance company of last resort. When you can't get your insurance anywhere else, you can always get your insurance from citizens, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that... Well, usually. Usually. Even yeah. citizens doesn't insure some homes. Yeah, okay. It, usually, though. Yeah. And, and right now, citizens is oversubscribed and basically broke. In other words, if the big thing happened, there's no way that they could cover all the claims that they would have from all the the uh, homeowners who have purchased policies through citizens. There's just no way. They're oversubscribed. And so there's been this big push for uh, people to be taken out of citizens and transferred over to these what they were calling citizens takeout companies. And there's all these small companies that cropped up um, and it seems to me that over the years, so many of these takeout companies were themselves woefully undercapitalized, and yet they were certified by the state to do business in Florida. And it seemed like anybody could start an insurance company in Florida. You could take five dentists from Largo who could pool their home equity together, and they would qualify to start an insurance company in Florida because Citizens has been so desperate for companies to take some of their policies off their hands. Correct. And, um, and now those companies are folding. Because they're not, you hit it up right on the head, they're not required to put up enough capital at the start. So they're not properly capitalized. And so if nothing happens, then fine. But if one little weather, you know, if a tornado hits just the right area or if a hurricane hits the right area, the whole company's gone. And that that they're not capitalized correctly to, to withstand that. But also the large carriers, the Tower Hills, the State Farms, the Allstates, uh, don't write homeowners insurance in the state of Florida for no. the most part, but they do write a ton of auto. Mm-hmm. And there are some who believe that you shouldn't be able to profit Bingo. off the wonderful auto market here in Florida and then limit your exposure in the homeowners market. There's some who believe that there's the pushback from some would be like, well, you don't want to mess up the auto market by adding these the terrible property insurance concerns now on top of the auto market. And, And that's a policy that we need to have a discussion about. But I think there's a way to tie the auto market in some way to a requirement that you got to write some homeowner's insurance here in Florida. So that was going to be my question. So isn't there uh, some uh, some people who are pushing for legislation that says if you want to write auto insurance policies in Florida, you have to write homeowner's insurance? I would be, in, and listen, I just told you, I'm about the most pro-consumer person on insurance that there is. I would make I would want to make sure that it's written in the right way. I agree with the idea, but I would want to make sure that it is written in the right way. But I do believe that. So all of a sudden, the auto carries. policies don't get inflated the way homeowners Bingo. insurance. Bingo. Policy. Right. All right. Well, we're talking with Sean Shaw. If you've just tuned in, uh, we're talking with Sean Shaw, who's an attorney, and for our purposes here today, uh, he was the former Florida insurance consumer advocate. Uh, we're talking about the property insurance crisis in Florida, and if you have insurance 
audience questions for us. Give us and don't 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 call about your individual <laughs> policy uh, questions. But if you have <coughs> overall insurance policy questions, uh, give us a call at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. Email us at dj at wmnf org, or you can text us at eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. And I'm going to take a call here from Rick. Uh, in East Tampa, who's been very patient. Okay, Rick, you're on the air with us. Oh, thanks. Uh, Good morning, Sean. Morning, morning. I used to work in the insurance industry, and I I, uh, have kind of a a question leading to the question. My big question is, is it possible for Americans to buy uh, European uh, company insurance? And the reason I'm saying this is because uh, insurance is essentially a socialist idea. And we're running that in a capitalist country, which is, to me, a disconnect to some extent. Um, and a lot of the scams we see in the U.S. and a lot of the efforts by political groups to try to fix the problem seems to me a smokescreen for what's really the, the issue is you're, you're, you're setting this up for a few people to profit enormously at the expense of a larger group. And it, it happens again and again. It's happened in student loan financing. And I just think that it's all tied to the same problem, that we got this kind of cognitive dis- dissonance between the system we live under and this socialist idea of, um, of uh, insurance, which is that we all pool together and then we can help the one that, that suffers uh, when, when there's a calamity. And I'm just wondering if you think that there's options for us to, to go to sources of insurance that are outside the regulated uh, state-run systems and and purchase our insurance through a um, in a system that's much more in line with um, the kind of the overall goals of insurance, which is uh, protecting all of us in a way. What an interesting question, Rick. That's Can I question. just say that you win the award for like most interesting question I've had in weeks? So thank you for calling. Let's hear what it's, Sean it's why has I like to WMNF, say about that because that's a good, that's a very good question. I'll answer it in a couple ways. One, you know, an insurance company that's that is based in Europe. The reason why I don't think that that would be allowed to happen is because it's not subject to. I shouldn't say it's not totally subject, but it's going to be hard to get them in a court to where you can actually do something. And so, like you know, a bad faith claim denial or something. I don't know. Your mortgage something. company is going to be okay with that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you you've got to be able to force the insurance companies to do certain things in the event they're messing up and a company totally based in Europe, but it would be hard to subject subject them to the right jurisdiction. But I'll the second part of my answer is there are some specialty insurance companies that aren't based in Europe, but you know, the choice of law and arbitration, everything is European essentially. But for example, uh, Lloyd's of London does offer certain insurance, but you would probably be a $2 million home right on the water in some, it would be a home that yeah, would not be able to be insured. Yeah, with policy premiums of like, you Bingo. know, 10000 a month or something. Bingo, but those yeah. homes are paying that. <laughs> right. Um, and so there, there are certain specialty carriers that do operate like that, but I'm, I'm with you. I'd love to, I'd love to open it up and I'd love to, to get some inject some capital in here some way but you you stated what as long as the goal is to protect the the profit of insurance companies over everything else then we're going to continue to have a a crisis a so-called crisis like we are because that's what the legislature does isn't aig one like that company like one of the biggest 
reinsurers in in the world. I, I and, think so. And I think, aren't they a Swiss company? I could be wrong about no, that. No, the but, reinsurance companies, a lot of them are based in Bermuda, uh, uh, Switzerland. And uh, I mean, those were the smartest people I ever met in insurance because uh-huh. they need to know the market, not only in Florida, uh-huh. but in Japan. And it, like, they are... They know risk. They know the water temperature that can create a tidal wave that leads to a tsunami four months from now. Like, it's ridiculous how smart they are. But even they are frustrated by Florida because we don't operate in terms of, uh, like, rational principle. We operate in terms of anything to protect the profit of the insurance company. And that's why everything we do distorts the market more. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Rick, thank, thank you, man. Rick. Well, Thanks thank for you. calling in. appreciate that really answer. interesting Question. Uh, we've got a, a, a caller from Land O'Lakes uh, with us. Clay, you're on the line. You're on the air. Greetings to you both, and I hope all is well. Yep. I wanted to first thank you for your um, your show and the introduction to your show, which is, I think it's best to wait a week to talk about all this that's going on now. It lets us smoke clear. Yeah. have a much brighter picture next week of it, and I was looking forward to hearing this. Okay, well, tune in next week, too. We'll be here. We'll be talking about abortion. I tune in in every week. Wonderful. Thanks, Clay. Appreciate you. Anyway, um, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. That that Sean almost... By the way, Sean, I voted for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You you get the most loyal listener award and the best voter award. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really wish you'd won. You'd have done a much better job than we're having done. Well, that's a low bar, but I do appreciate that, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so let's get to the elephant in the room mm-hmm. um i, I and, and like i said you almost touched on it in, in your last uh, response to the gentleman the last caller the problem is and i happen to know uh an active actuary and one who just retired actuaries are the people that you're talking about when you're talking about what they know is going to happen when the temperature of the water yep. goes up and all that stuff and actuaries have told insurance companies, especially the major ones here who are all about profit, that Florida is this huge risk. Even though it may be, you know, 130 years has been, you know, devastated by a hurricane coming across the state, the potential for that exists, not to mention sea level rise and our failure to do anything to address what's happening with climate change. Right. Florida is going to be nothing but a ridge running away from the continental U.S. and no time at all. And they don't want to pay. And, of course, everyone put their homes on the, on the coast. So they don't want to be paying the prices that they would, the losses that they would assume when that happened. And as a lawyer who's defending this, I wanted to make a point to people. When, when, the, when the legislature talks about fraud and insurance, it's not fraud of people making false claims. It's about the failure, failure of insurance companies to pay those claims that they legitimately have. Mm-hmm. So you comment to that. No, I, I appreciate it. And, and your well, last thanks, Clay. Po- thanks, Clay. Your last point was a good one. The word fraud means different things to different people, unfortunately. It should not, right? We all think we agree on what fraud is. But uh, when I was practicing this type of law, fraud, insurance companies would accuse my clients of fraud if my clients disagreed with how much it cost to replace the molding on that wall. And if they submitted an estimate that was higher than the insurance companies, the insurance companies would accuse them of fraud and trying to profit from a claim. That's not fraud. Mm-hmm. That's a difference of opinion on what it costs. Now, because, you know, they hired the cheapest contractor to go out there. They accuse us of hiring the most expensive contractor. But we're the ones that are committing fraud. That's, that's one to what Clay said. But two, he's absolutely right. One of the, 
you you asked the question, and, and here's another. You asked the question of why we're in this crisis, why Florida's kind of so bad. Because there's not another state with a Miami right on the coast, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's other states with coastal areas, but not with a Tampa, a Miami, a Fort Lauderdale, a West Palm Beach. Like our big ones are Jacksonville. Where loss, big ones are where right losses there. from a huge storm would, would be, be astronomical. Billions. Yeah, and also the risk associated with climate change and not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Tampa. I think I was told it would take maybe an eight foot wave and that eight foot and that's it. And all of downtown's underwater or something. There was some strange um, stat that I was given. But if the legisl- if the legislature is not spending money to um, have a good school system and if the legislature is not spending money to, um, you know, about affordable housing, you can darn sure guarantee they're not going to spend the money required to fix climate change. One, because half of them don't believe it exists or that it's man-made. And two, it's radically expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, that's billions of dollars in just Miami to do what needs to be done. But it needs to be done. We live in Florida. That would help alleviate the insurance crisis, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as Andrew Gillum would say, when it's high tide Miami sometimes, uh, roads flood. Yeah. That's how close they are to having a problem. And so he's absolutely right. Um, and we haven't even touched on the issue of flood insurance, separate and apart from right. homeowners insurance. But flood insurance is currently subsidized by the federal government. And that's why you may think premiums for flood insurance are high. But in fact, the premiums are so low. Vastly subsidized. Vastly subsidized. And they don't represent the level of risk that these homes, you know, right on the coast have. In fact, we we have an email uh, from David who says, thanks for bringing Sean on the show today. I'm curious about what Sean thinks about areas like Shore Acres in St. Petersburg that flood all the time, even with no storms and just a big tide event. There really should never have been development in Shore Acres, and many areas of Florida are like that. That's another um, elephant in the room, so to speak. We also have a lot of homes where we should not have homes. Mm -hmm. And here's a little tough love I do have to give to some people. Some of you that have homes where you should not have them, that are too close to the water, that are in sort of barrier places, perhaps you should be paying a lot in property insurance. Um, There are homes that ought not be in certain places. So I will offer that little bit of tough love. But... um, Florida, we're, you know, we're talking about reinsurance. We're talking about these other things. Fl- a, a way that Florida can ease some of this is in terms of subsidizing. We have a thing called the CAT Fund here in Florida, which is essentially state reinsurance. Mm-hmm. And we offer it at a low rate to these insurance companies. To There are things to, there's a lot of things you can do here and to, a lot of dials you can you can try to turn But the problem in Florida is that legislators refuse to do anything that would affect the bottom line of insurance companies under any circumstance. And if if they refuse to kind of address that, then we're never going to have a good special session. We're never going to have a legislative session that does anything good because they refuse to to go past that floor. And it's been 
20 years, as long as I've been following if they've refused to do it. Well, you know, they're starting on May 23rd. They're going to have a legislative, special legislative session on property insurance crisis and what to do about it. What do you think they're going to do about they it? They will make it harder for you to sue. They'll make it harder for a lawyer to take the case. And when those two things happen, I want you to call me back and say, damn, Sean, you are right on the money there. <laughs> well, like, that's exactly uh, what as a lawyer, you, you, are a lo- you are a lawyer. I used to be a lawyer. We, you know, that seems so obvious to us that that's exactly what they're going to do because, you know, they do not, they, they believe or they've been persuaded to believe that, uh, you know, when a person, like in your example with the molding price differential, who says, no, I need, you know, $10 for this piece of molding, not $5 that you want to pay me. When that person is, their claim is denied, they go get a lawyer to enforce their claim. That lawyer, that is accused of inflating Mm -hmm. the claims without cause and keeping more of the money. I mean, there's some... And then when the carrier pays that 10, they then say, um, they continue to say that's fraud. Insurance companies aren't in the business of paying fraudulent claims. Yeah. Okay? So the fact that you got a lawyer to sue the insurance company to get what you deserve ain't fraud. That is a problem on the carrier's fault. And I tell carriers this all the time. If you paid, so that you say the difference was five to ten dollars, right? If you paid seven, that person would never get a lawyer, yeah. even though it's not the ten they want. If you paid seven and said here, they'd never get a lawyer. You'd have a happy policyholder, and you wouldn't be getting sued. Well, we do hear, uh, you know, we read that Florida has. of the claims, but 79% of the litigation on homeowners' claims, homeowners' policy claims. 8% of the claims and 79% of the litigation on those claims. And that when when homeowners assign their insurance benefits to either the roofing company, because it's usually roof problems that are the big Mm -hmm. dispute, uh, or to attorneys, the claims are filed for much more than the cost of fixing the roof damage. So claims the insurance industry. And it sounds like there's something wrong with that. Why? So why do we have so much insurance litigation? I'm not so uh, sure we do, number okay. one. When I was the insurance consumer advocate, I had a actuary on staff. And I had uh, about 10 state employees that were dedicated to kind of doing these things. And oftentimes, uh, those numbers weren't what you think they are. Mm-hmm. But let me, I'll answer that with this scenario. The exact same claims were made about sinkholes. Exactly, it was fraud. It was people assigning their stuff to these sinkhole companies. It was getting checks and not fixing their homes. And whole neighborhoods were filled with fake sinkhole claims. And it was driving these carriers out of business. They completely fixed that in a way that you can't file a sinkhole claim. Now, I saw a lawyer the other day that primarily did sinkholes. I asked him what he was doing. He's like, personal injury. You can't bring a sinkhole claim that's viable anymore. Hmm. We are here at an insurance crisis, aren't we? Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be if sinkholes were fixed. That, so it's always something. And it's, it's, if, it's, if it's lawyers, if it's public adjusters, if it's roofers, if it's, it's always something. What do all those people have in common? They represent consumers when they try to make insurance companies do what the policy says do. Well, I also saw a statistic from the insurance industry that says that uh, since 2013, insurance companies made $15 billion in payouts in Florida on claims. But that less than 10% of that went to policyholders and approximately 70% of that went to attorneys. Does that seem accurate to you? No, it doesn't. Um, It also, 
when you know this, when you write a check to me uh, and then I give the rest, I give some to my client and I take my fee out. Well, you could technically say, couldn't you? Well, I, I gave the check to law firm so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So that that is how. That, I see. Okay. I, so and, and it's misleading. I hate to be this conspiratorial about stuff, but it's the things you hear in Tallahassee are just not true. Uh, and when I was in the legislature, it, because insurance is complicated, people's eyes glaze over. It's tough. And I would be in committee, and because I know this stuff really well, I knew I was getting lied to. And I would literally say, uh, I would ask a question in a polite way that let the person know, I want you to explain that and tell me why you said so-and-so. Oh, I have to get back with you. That's just in my notes. Yeah. Because it's gobbledygook and it's a lie. Well, that's why you're here, to make sure that we understand that. We've got Sean Shaw here with us, a former Florida consumer insurance advocate. And I've got uh, Dave, who's been really patient, on the line with us. Do you have a question for Sean, Dave? Yeah, good morning. Uh, I think your program lacks balance, and I'm the last one on earth to come on to defend corporate interests. But, Sean, first of all, I'd like you to name an insurance, homeowner's insurance company in the state of Florida that's making record profits. Give me one. I don't practice here anymore. Um, but oh, Okay, well, you just said, you, you said there are record profits being made by homeowner's insurance companies in this state. I'd like you to name one. You, I, I can't name one off the top of my head. You win. You can't name one. Okay. Personally, I've gone through an assignment as assignment of benefits case, and I watched the dishonest contractor jack up the claim about five times what it ought to be. And I know for a fact that's happening over and over again in this state. Insurance companies don't rate their premiums to cover that kind of thing. And there are also insurance companies in the state have been going into receivership, and there are, there are at least a couple that are on the verge of going on receivership. And the reason you know it's a problem is because the Florida Insurance Guarantee Association is jacking up its surcharge on homeowners policies to cover the policy claims that are going to be coming off those companies that go under. Now, I haven't heard you talk about that either. <clears throat> I also haven't heard you talk about lawyers jacking up fees on these AOB claims. Why should a lawyer be able to triple his fees on a homeowner's claim against an insurance company? Can you justify that? Does that happen? How how can an attorney jack up their fees, uh, like triple their fees on a claim? I mean, I would ask Sean that question. I don't know what triple. I don't know what triple your fees means as a as what you're saying. But what I will say is, I I don't disagree that there's AOB abuse. I don't disagree with that. Uh, Okay. And I know the legislature AOB being assignment of benefits. I don't disagree that there are. Fraudulent roofers. I don't disagree that there's fraudulent lawyers and all this. I don't disagree with any of that. What I am saying is um, every session, that's the only thing the legislature worries about. But the, the issue is, you know, there's fraudulent defense attorneys that work for insurance companies. There's fraudulent insurance companies. There's insurance companies that accuse people of fraud when it's not fraud. There's, there's all kinds of bad actors on this, but the bad actors on their side never result in legislation. And, yeah, and well, it I sounds like that. that, that I, I think this problem deserves more than just attacking corporate interest here. There is a problem with insurance claims and litigation in this state. And I think the legislature ought to, ought to approach it from a more balanced perspective than what you're providing on this program. You're making it sound like these are greedy corporate interests that are raping the homeowner, homeowners in this state, policyholders in this state. And I'm seeing companies going under. I don't see any record profits being made, and you can't name a single company that's made record profits, even though you made that statement on the air. If I came back next week, I certainly could, man. And so I'm not going to get into this he said, she said. But what I will say is I appreciate it. I think it ought to be balanced, too. But, again, 
Sink, the sinkhole situation is the best example of this. The the insurance industry and sinkholes. Hey, hey Dave, you can't talk over you can't talk over my guest, or we can't hear either of you. So I, all I'm gonna say is sinkholes was a great example of this. They 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 said that we're gonna fix this problem and everything's gonna be fine, and they fixed it to the detriment of the consumer, and everything's not fine. And well, so, homeowner's policy includes catastrophic ground cover collapse coverage. So if your house goes into a sinkhole, you automatically get payout to the max on that policy and claims came down me there weren't fraudulent are you telling me there weren't fraudulent sinkhole claims? dave i already agreed that fraud exists okay i've already agreed with that what i'm and i think that what you said is probably correct it ought to be balanced there's fraud in every system i think what we're saying is that there are also structural problems in the way that we regulate insurance in florida that are very seriously contributing to the crisis. I got to thank you, uh, Dave, because I got to let Sean go. Um, he's got another appointment, and we're going to keep the conversation going here. So uh, if you have recently lost your homeowner's insurance, have your premiums skyrocketed, uh, or would you, what? call us and tell us what you'd like to see come out of the next special session on property insurance, and, uh, and let us hear from you. Give us a call at 813-239-9663, email us at dj at wmnf.org, or text us at 813-433-0885 and tell us what you think. I want to thank Sean Shaw for be- being with us, however, briefly this morning and filling us in on, on some issues around the Florida property insurance crisis. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I'm going to take a call here from Tara in Dunedin, who's been very patient. Tara, you're on the air. Talk to us about oh. property insurance. Okay, so my homeowner's insurance policy just went up by like $1,000. They're claiming it's because of my TransUnion credit report. I've never had a claim. I live in a non-flood zone. Um, I've had my policy since when I bought the house in 2015. My, I actually got the same policy, like took over a policy from the same company that my landlady who sold me the house had. I'm just wondering why are they legally um, able to raise the property taxes based on your TransUnion credit report? There's you mean your, proper, your property house. insurance premiums, right? Home insurance policy, yes. Yeah. Premium. Well, listen, I don't know the answer, but I can speculate. Um, and my speculation would be that maybe they believe that a person who uh, doesn't have a good credit rating doesn't have the funds available maybe to make repairs that would stop a problem that exists from getting worse and causing what might be a bigger claim later on. That's my speculation. I have no, no, no you know, expertise in that area whatsoever. But I would, I guess, encourage you to uh, do whatever you can to try and clean up your credit report. Maybe there are some things you can do to, you know, fix your credit and therefore, you know, be a better candidate for a cheaper policy from another another company. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just well, like getting a mortgage, you know. If you have a bad mm-hmm. credit uh, report, your mortgage rate is going to be much higher. You know, the interest rate that you pay on your mortgage is going to be much higher than if you had if you had good credit. And because mm-hmm. your risk is greater with a bad credit report. And it affects all kinds of things in your life. Your mortgage interest rate, now obviously your property insurance premiums. You know, people can deny you a job because they don't like your credit report and think you're a bad risk. So I guess yeah. I would just encourage you to do whatever you can do to try to improve your... your uh, credit rating and maybe apply okay. to a different company. 
Yeah, it's just, well, basically, I feel like they're just going to keep on, like, they're charging so much, you know? And, I, of course, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, that's what the whole show's been about today. So I appreciate you having it. I've been listening, and uh, thank you. Well, I appreciate you listening, Tara. Good luck to you. Thanks. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so we've been talking about the property insurance crisis in Florida. If you've had an experience uh, with property insurance, um, give us a call and, l- and let us know. Uh, we've got some. We've got a text message here. I'm going to try and uh, pull up and read that says, uh, "I was one of 67,000 Gulfstream customers who lost." homeowners insurance last year what was the reason for the state of florida stepping in again i don't know the specific answer to the gulf stream question but i can tell you that uh when the state uh which regulates the amount of capitalization and reserves that a company has to keep on hand in order to pay claims uh when they when they see that those reserves are below a certain amount then they're empowered to step in and uh, and uh, take over the company, and um, you know you could lose your coverage that way, or you could be transferred into citizens, or you could uh, be required to go out into the marketplace and find a new policy. So that's that's probably the reason that uh, that they went under, but I don't know. I, Google is your friend, I guess. On that, um, I'm sure that there's information publicly available. Uh, the last caller, I have another text message here. The last caller should have my experience of working in insurance and watching the enormous profits going to a few folks at the top. Skim and then swim away. Okay, that's a text message from one of our listeners who obviously has some experience working in the insurance industry um, who challenges, I guess, Dave uh, who challenged Sean to come up with the name of a company that uh, was making record profits. And I guess what that texter wants us to understand is it's not necessarily the company, it's the, um, you know, the stockholders um, that are making record profits and swimming away. All right, we have a call on line six here from Adam. Adam, thanks for joining the conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, I wanted to mention something that, that Sean said. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm Adam Hattersley. I'm a former state representative. Oh, okay, Adam Hattersley. Years. Thanks for calling in. Of course, yeah. And um, Now, you're running, you're a candidate for Jimmy Petronas's job, aren't you, for uh, the chief financial officer of the state of Florida? That's exactly right. Uh, and property insurance is one of the major reasons why I'm, I'm running. And I wanted to touch something quickly on what Sean said is the CFO's office is supposed to be in charge of insurance regulation. He's supposed to have that consumer advocate standing between, you know, what's been going on in Florida with our insurance market and the consumer. And Jimmy has not only been, been silent on it, he's been nowhere, nowhere to be found with no solutions, just kind of skating through and riding through his time in the, in the CFO's office. We, we need somebody up there who's, who's willing to listen to the problems that we have going on in Florida and, and come up with solutions to protect people. You know, I've spoken with the head of the Florida Association of Insurance Adjusters. They want to protect the consumer and they can't even get a meeting. Hmm. Well, 
<laughs> that's not a great comfort to any of uh, the Florida uh, <laughs> property insurance consumers. Uh, that yeah. seems like a problem. I would agree. That's, that's a bit of a problem. And, you know, uh, as you guys have touched on, I'm curious to see what's going to come out of this uh, special session. Yeah, what do you think insurance. is going to come out of the special session? You know, I think Sean is probably right. Uh, it's going to make it more difficult to to challenge uh, a, a claim payment in court. It's going to make it more difficult to find property insurance. Um, you know, the Citizens does have a, a three-tiered system on how to recoup any of its any of its funding uh, if it needs to, to to provide that insurance for um for for policyholders, uh, but potentially that can affect the entire state. You know, as you mentioned, citizens supposed to be the insurer of last resort, and right now it's the largest property insurer in the state of Florida. Yeah, I mean that's unsustainable. So yeah, I mean you know I've so also bad. heard that the, that the legislature is considering creating a. a, a a category to allow insurance companies to impose a, a special roof deductible, similar to the way we have a special hurricane deductible, uh, which is now like 4% of a home's value or something like that. So now before the company would pay a roof claim, you'd have to hit that special roof deductible. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I have not heard anything about that, but it does not mean that that's not one of the potential changes they're going to make. I mean, you know, after Hurricane Andrew in 1992, they split flood insurance separately, you know, mm-hmm. and wind insurance is right. separately in an attempt to keep those those premiums down. Um, so we'll see what they come up with, but I'll be surprised with the current legislature and the current leadership of the CFO's office if it does anything to help the consumer. Uh, I will most likely just be there to to help those large insurance, insurance companies. And right. as you guys mentioned, a lot of these companies are leaving Florida. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran. When I moved to Florida, I did not move here on military orders. And when I called USAA, who I've had for decades, they said, you know what? We don't insure property in Florida unless you're there on orders. So, sorry. Yeah. So even, you know, a very reliable company like USAA is, is not willing to risk coming to Florida. And it's coming down to our, our laws and our regulations when it comes to insurance. What do you think about Sean's suggestion that the legislature tie... Uh, auto insurance to companies uh, to require companies to also market homeowners insurance in Florida. What do you think about that idea? You know, it's something you have to be very careful about because uh, we want to balance affordability for property insurance with affordability and uh, of auto insurance and people being able to to safely drive because you know it is a legal legal requirement to have auto insurance and. People rely on their cars in Florida to get to their jobs, to take their kids to school, because we don't have a great public transportation system here. So we can't necessarily restrict somebody's ability to drive simply because they can't get auto insurance. Well, mortgage um, you know, companies require homeowners insurance, too. You can't get a mortgage unless, you know, you pay, like, a huge amount of, of, of equity into your house. That's true. Into your that's house. To a, lot of, a lot of people who have fully purchase their homes that don't have a mortgage that choose not to carry insurance because the premiums are too high. Right. So, you know, it, it is definitely something that, that should be explored. And if we're careful in how we do it, it can be successful to bring those companies and bring competition back to Florida. But it's something we have to be careful about to make sure we don't do more harm than good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll be interested to hear uh, you speak more as a candidate about what your position is on some of these things as they're being proposed in the legislature or as regulations 
changes are being uh, explored. Yeah, so we'll we'll be all over the state, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to discussing it and giving people hopefully a more engaged option than what they have in the CFO's office. Someone who's ready to, to listen to them and try to try to protect consumers and have a consumer advocate that's that's very active in the state again, who's who's doing the right thing. Okay, well, thanks for calling in, Adam. We appreciate it. Uh, all right, so this show has been our show on the crisis in the Florida homeowners insurance market. And uh, we had Sean Shaw with us uh, recently. He had to step out. And we had Adam Hattersley call in, who's a candidate for CFO. Um, we have had some callers, and I've got an email here I'm just going to read before we end the show. Uh, from uh, Clinton, who says, Citizens is my insurance provider. I was recently contacted by an inspection company advising Citizens is requiring a four-point inspection. It requires to inspect bathrooms, kitchen, water heater, and general condition of the property. I've heard of this for a mortgage refinance, but insurance coverage renewal, question mark. In the past, it's always been just the roof and windows and doors. Any idea why? I don't know. I have to say I have heard... I have heard uh, that four-point inspections are required for all homeowners insurance renewals in the state of Florida. I certainly had to go through one when I renewed my insurance policy, so it doesn't seem off to me. Um, But we're about to end the show, and if you just joined us mid-show, you can listen on demand to all of our shows, all of our midpoint shows at wmnf.org slash midpoint. Um, I want to thank my guest today, Sean Shaw, the former Florida insurance consumer advocate. I really appreciate Sean coming by to talk with us today. Uh, I want to thank Adam Hattersley, candidate for CFO, for calling in. And I want to thank all of you for listening into WMNF and contributing to the conversation with your calls and comments. We are commercial-free here only because you care enough to support us. So if you appreciate the show, please go to the webpage for Midpoint, wmnf.org slash Midpoint, and please hit the tip jar at the Midpoint page. Um, that shows us that uh, you like what we're doing and you want us to keep at it. And thanks also to volunteers Jessica Green for our sound and Barbara Fling for our phone screening. I'd ask you to please stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss, who's coming up next after the NPR News. We are WMNF. See you next week. Talking about it, I got the baby.